staycation plans of the regulator were put on hold this year as they launched their delayed annual business plan in July. And folks, it didn't disappoint. Firms should expect a tougher, more proactive and robust regulator that is not afraid to take a risk and push the boundaries and limits of its own powers. So what do regulated firms think about the FCA plan and how do firms propose to meet these new, more stringent regulatory expectations with technology? In this short podcast, the WorkSmart team of Julie Pardy and Nick Dent reflect on the opinions of hundreds of senior managers, risk and compliance professionals to the business plan. So let's get to it. Our first webinar poll question asks our audience of senior managers, compliance and risk professionals their views on the FCA becoming a more innovative, assertive and adaptive regulator. 38% of firms said that they expect to see a regulator who provides greater guidance around implementing regulation, whilst 30% anticipate a more collaborative regulator and 23% expecting to see a more proportionate regulator. Julie, from this poll result, do firms have their fingers crossed, hoping that the regulator will hold their hand more over the next 12 months? Oh, that's a good question. And I suspect that they have most recently been reading the Consumer Duty of Care, because in the Consumer Duty of Care, it does talk about the complexity of the subject, the fact that there is going to be uh, maybe another principle, maybe some other requirements around product lifecycle and management of such. And it does talk about um, guidance and support. I think it's a little bit at odds with what the regulators always said latterly, and that is that it's an outcomes regulator and that it doesn't want to constantly be telling firms what to do. It wants to give them a framework from which to work. That said, when they are presenting a new and complex piece of regulatory change, so for example, SMNCR, there would have been a quicker implementation and a more effective implementation within firms if there had been greater guidance as to what it might look and feel like at the point at which they delivered it. So I suspect there is a little bit of hope, but also linked back into what the regulator said most recently. Nick, with 30% of the audience looking forward to seeing a more collaborative regulator is one thing, but Collaboration is a two-way street, right? I agree. And I think that we made the point during the the webinar broadcast itself about both that and the result that said that there was a good share of people that expected a more proportionate regulator. Um, Just a health warning against that. Like you say, Phil, that is a two-way street. A point of consideration for maybe smaller organisations, because I think the general theme of the webinar was the regulator with the focus on data and technology now is moving into a space where they can look more analytically in greater depth and across greater breadth. So poll question number two, we asked the question, which area of the cross-market issues do you believe will be most challenging for your firm to achieve? So that is tackling fraud, managing financial resilience, implementing operational resilience requirements, meeting expectations around ESG, and becoming a more diverse employer. The lead answer was operational resilience requirements, implementing those at 33%. The second answer was meeting expectations around ESG. Something that you thought would be a priority, Julie? To be honest, I thought meeting expectations around ESG would be the lead challenge there. I'm a little bit surprised about operational resilience because we've had those requirements now since March. They were published, obviously, the combination of the PRA, the FCA and the Bank of England were publishing together. 
And actually, it is relatively clear what they're asking firms to do. What I suspect is happening is that maybe in the desire to do the best possible job, that potentially people's arrangements are becoming gold-plated and that's making it more complex to implement. And the reason I say that is that I know from a personal perspective here at WorkSmart that firms have been trying to categorise us under EBA requirements already in place incorrectly because they've been a little bit overzealous about managing their suppliers. So I suspect in some cases people are making it more difficult for themselves than needs to be. And I think with ESG, it's the topic that could take you in any which way you like, depending on how you how the discussion goes within a firm. And I suspect it's really difficult containing appropriate actions without giving yourself a to-do list that's almost impossible to achieve. We see a lot of instances, don't we, where the individuals that we're dealing with in that procurement process are probably aware that they're being a little overzealous and making life too difficult for themselves in, in the context of trying to buy something that they know they need and want and the category that we fit within. There's a real business prevention aspect to it as, as well. Judy, this business plan is all about the FCA learning lessons from the past and charting a new course for the future. I think this piece around we've got to try, we've got to behave slightly differently, we will make mistakes, but we'll learn from the mistakes and therefore that will make us a better regulator. I think that all makes sense. That's no different than how you would consider yourself in the context of your own firm. I think sometimes that when they see what's happened in firms, I suspect they get exceedingly frustrated because some of the basic mistakes seem to be made over and over and over again. And so there's probably, you know, a feeling that, that of frustration from a regulatory perspective that actually, despite all the warnings, despite all the rule books, despite all the support and guidance, for example, around what you can do and what you can't do around pensions and pensions transfer, they're still today fining and banning people for behaving so poorly in that part of the market. Julie, I sense a refreshing transparency and honesty from a regulator that is willing to publish key indicators of diversity within its own ranks, challenging firms not to do as I say, but do as we do on issues like DNI and also data. Yeah, I think so. I think firms are frustrated because it's that view will get your own house in order before you tell us how to run our business. And I think, you know, the honesty, he, he has that opportunity, doesn't he? He's the CEO that has the opportunity to come in on a transformation agenda and go, OK, so we want to change all of this. And part of what he's saying that we're specifically focused on is that tech is absolutely critical to us as a regulator going forward. And we're going to put all this money and resource into it because it's going to help us predict where things are going to go wrong in the future. And it's going to help us see mm. the, the firms that are going to cause the greatest harm. And if you've got your regulator who has acknowledged that and it, you know is working within their business to do that, they would expect, I would have thought, some level of mirroring within firms. And so when we did this polling question about tech, the answers that we got weren't a surprise to me because Nick and I see this all the time. You have people within firms that know that they have regulatory issues and they're the people doing the do, yet for whatever reason, they cannot secure the budget to buy the tech to help improve whatever the issue is that, that they're trying to resolve. 
we've talked about, you know, how much the regulator is putting into their tech projects over the next few years and how they're transforming themselves. And it's worth firms having a think about that. And what does that mean in the context of their own organisation? We asked the question, what changes are planned for your 21-22 tech budget in light of the fact that the FCA have published that they're increasing their tech budget by around about 25%. Did it surprise you, Nick, that 40% of our audience said we don't have a specific tech budget within our organisation and funding has to be on a case-by-case basis? Yes, it did, especially in the context of what we've just discussed and the fact that that seems to be the way the regulator is going. The conclusion that we've drawn, that they're leading by example. Personally, I see no option but to be responsive to the regulator moving to a data and technology, uh, data science model. I think firms need to be aware of that and responsive to that. And it's a shame that they're not planning in advance if there aren't budgets to deal with that going forward. I must say too, purely from our point of view from a regulator, obviously there are on costs and there are internal costs in terms of the projects for implementing systems and solutions, but there's no reason in the medium to long term that they should be any more expensive than what firms are doing currently. The seesaw balance really is do I spend money on resources or do I spend money on technology? And the case for technology is it will manage all of the transactional stuff automatically with less resource. So that's where the balancing cost comes. 13% of the audience said that we are increasing our tech budget across the business by more than 10%, Julie. 28% of firms said that they build in-house solutions for their tech. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a cultural issue to a certain extent. I give you an example with something like SMNCR, you know, a tech company in the development of a product might take, for example, three years to develop a product and might invest a couple of million pounds. Any in-house team can never seek to match that in the short period of time they'll be asked to do something and build something. And it doesn't matter the quality of your internal teams, when you employ an external tech provider, you get all of the knowledge and experience from all of their customers that they serve, all wrapped up into the product because you use your customers to help develop your product when it's in operation. So it's quite short-sighted. And I think it's linked to a cultural situation. Having said that, on the other side of it, isn't it great? Okay, we've only got a small percentage that have got increased budgets for tech, but at least we've got some firms that are increasing their budgets, which I suspect if we'd asked it two years ago, it would have been flatlining. We tend to ask the question around what people do for SM and CR, and consistently we get about 70 to 80% of firms saying, no, we still manage this on spreadsheets and Excels. And that is the ultimate piece of regulation that is that framework for a firm from senior manager all the way through to conduct rules breach management. So if people still think it's okay to do that manually and run the risks that manual processes do, it does say something about the culture of the firm. Nick, the FCA is putting no punches when it comes to taking advantage of data and technology to act decisively in the interest of consumers. £120 million is being spent by the regulator to, amongst other objectives, ensure that they can identify harm and intervene quickly. Firms should take note and also follow the lead of the regulator in their use of data to improve their own efficiencies and effectiveness. 
Absolutely. We're both shouting absolutely to that one, aren't we, Julie? <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, what the right systems and controls do is make the data reliable, consistent, transparent, and timely. All of those things are important, really. Because, I mean, let's face it, if there are any issues or inconsistencies or maybe a firm consistently late in submitting returns and that kind of thing, one of the obvious things that the regulator is going to do is say, well, what does that say about the culture of the organization? They're continually inaccurate and behind the curve in terms of when they should be submitting this information. So given the choice between a firm operating like that and somebody that's always on the mark and everything's always accurate and consistent, which firm are they likely to be looking more closely at? Key takeaways from the business plan from both your perspective, what should they be looking at from this? First and foremost for me, it would be the pre-preparation of resource and thinking about everything is themed around the customer. If we go back to the strategic and operational objectives of the regulator, they're talking about competition, they're talking about markets with good people in it that work well, but they're talking about being fair to consumers. And if you think about there, the court case on business interruption, the changes that they've made to insurance providers where they've got to treat their existing customers fairly, this is all still going on. So it's that product life cycle and consumer impact and approach of how we get that product from thought and inception out to the customer and beyond and all of the touch points along the way. So, you know, are we doing our target marketing right? Have we got competent people that know how to manage this product and sell it? You know, when things go wrong, are we analysing what's gone wrong and then feeding that back into how we put that to market? It feels very much that way to me. Does the regulator's business plan pose a headache or an opportunity for smaller firms, Julie? I guess everything's an opportunity. It all depends on your mindset, doesn't it? It's a, a regulatory drag or it's an opportunity to improve what you've got. But really challenging as, as firms' business models become more complex and regulation becomes more complex. Actually, if you haven't got the right people with the knowledge and experience in your support teams to advise the business across the piece on how it's going to impact the different elements of what they do, it becomes very difficult for a firm to keep up. Thanks, Julie and Nick, and thank you, the audience, for listening to this podcast. To understand what you and your firm can expect from the regulator in the coming year, check out Julie's blog on the FCA's business plan, listed on the Insights section of the WorkSmart website, worksmart.com. If you have any questions about how regulated firms are using data to strengthen their approach to conduct, culture, and accountability, please reach out to Nick and Julie via email, info at worksmart.co.uk.